0: Before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to say a big thank you for tuning in. Uh, If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you do not miss an episode in the future. Feel free to go back through and have a listen to some of the past episodes with some of our amazing guests and any of the knowledge I've had to share on training and nutrition and whatnot as well. Um, But now for today's guest... He was a player with the West Coast Eagles in the AFL for 134 games. He played for Carlton for 145 games. He won the Brownlow Medal in 2004 and 2010. He was also a premiership player with the West Coast Eagles, and that is just the name a few of his, uh, his career achievements, I guess, um, now stepping into the world of business and as you'll find out in today's episode, he actually got his foot in the door with business and entrepreneurship quite early on. Um, we're going to discuss both sides, um, I guess, of his life today in the episode and it's an absolute pleasure to have Chris Judd on the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast today. So make sure you sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. If you do uh, enjoy the show today, make sure you take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Jaddy as well, and also tag his business page. Um, I'll have the links to all those socials in the show notes below. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, Juddy, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for uh, Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. I've um I've been really keen to, to get this one done for a while. I know I've had a shitload of requests to have you on, so oh, very um, good. We can be pretty confident that obviously got a very
1: smart, intelligent audience. Yeah,
0: <laughs> apparently, <laughs> uh, mate. I wanted to start the the show off. We'll just get stuck straight into it. Yeah. Over the span of your your footy career, what was your favourite
1: moment? Uh, well, I was lots of great moments, um, but was lucky enough to play in. A, premiership in 2006 with west coast eagles yeah um and that was just really special felt like the culmination of something i've been dreaming about from the age of maybe three or four years of age uh not only that but you know everybody else playing the team had been dreaming of something similar from a really early age as a you know the coaching staff the support staff at football club and, and the fans as well who um you know, it would just means so much too. So to be able mm-hmm. to share that with a, a wide range of people who, you know, I cared about a lot um, was really special. And, and special as well because it just meant that post-football, once your career is over, almost gives your football life a... Um, a sense that it's going to live on long after you stop playing because there's an excuse to yeah. catch up with those people every five years or ten years and, mm. and celebrate something really special that, that we all achieve together. Yeah, and touching on that, so correct me if I'm wrong, but 134 games for the
0: Eagles, 145 for Carlton. Yeah. Is that right? What, was there a big difference in the footy culture in over in West Coast compared to when you came over here and played for Carlton?
1: Look, there were, yeah, there were lots of differences. Um you know, West Coast culture at that time was heavily criticised because mm. of some of the off-field issues some of the players were having. Um, but it was also, a, a, you know, filled by a group of players who were really intense about their training and really yeah. driven to achieve success and, and very much a group that was self-motivated and expected success. Um, and 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 also with some real rogue elements. So people... Um, you know, didn't have a huge amount of respect for for following rules. Yeah. um, But had a huge desire to work and to work harder than everyone else in Mm. the competition and and to achieve something. Um, Carton's group was, you know, equally full of really good people, but probably a much more compliant group in terms of rules. But that compliance also looked like uh, people not putting a lot of thought into what their day or what their individual program should look like, they were okay. really waiting to get told what to do yeah, it's and following instructions. Um, so those are the two main differences that, that I saw. Yeah,
0: and after playing in a premiership, can you, can you kind of see the similarities between the teams that have won, say, over the past few years or, or since you've you've won one, can you look at a team and go, this is similar to the, the group that we had or, or similar, to, similar
1: characteristics or do you reckon it's just
0: all very individualized?
1: Look, I think unless you're inside the group, it's really hard to know what they're actually like. Um, but there are some fundamentals that are the same for if you're trying to achieve anything yeah. across any industry. And that is yeah. you have to be prepared to do something that others aren't prepared to do. Mm. And that's why you get better at something. Because yeah. obviously everyone who's playing AFL is training hard and working hard and knows that you know you need to have a good diet and exercise well yeah. and um, do all those things to succeed. But the teams that... That succeed are, are able to to do more of those things are going to help, and and often uh, there's an element of being able to um, not only delay instant gratification, but to to put the interests of the group above the interests of the individual. And there's some of the characteristics you see with any successful sporting team. Yeah,
0: without a doubt. Do you follow many other sports outside of footy? Are you, are you kind of big on like basketball or anything else? Or? I like
1: them, and I really like watching the NBA, but I just don't. Ever get around to watching it mm. um, nowadays? Uh, I went over to a game last year and saw LeBron play, which obviously. was really cool. Unreal. So I wanted to tick that off the bucket list. Yeah. Um, and I like cricket, so my son's loves his cricket. Mm. So we'll we'll go and watch a bit of cricket together, um, and then obviously love watching love watching footy as well.
0: Yeah. Now going back to when you were drafted, um, 2002, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're still obviously heavily involved in, in football now. What? How big is the difference in the physical preparation in preseason and off-season now compared to what it was when, when you first got drafted?
1: Um, well, it was really hard. Pre-seasons were really hard when I got drafted and they're really hard now. Uh, they're much more tailored now yeah, and much more specific to what each player requires for the different role they're trying yeah. to play. Um, and they're just a bit more more sophisticated with their, their training loads. So at West Coast, and this was common across that era, we would train in pre-season Monday, Wednesday, Friday, would be training from nine till twelve and then you'd do weights in the afternoon and that training was running and skill work. Mm. Then Tuesday and Thursday we would do specific running and then cross-training in the afternoons. Um so you're on on legs, you call it when you're you know yeah, high yeah. impact running five days in a row yeah you just never do that in a million years now nah. in fact you would very rarely do two days in a row it was sort of one yeah. on one off um but that's just how it was and I, mean, yeah. I would then top up with doing some extra running on the saturday on and occasionally that. on the sunday yeah. as well so it's just it's a moronic way to prepare but mm. you know in 15 years time people will look back on what athletes are doing now and think it's moronic so that you know, the knowledge base changing, isn't it? Is, yeah. is constantly growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and things aren't always as intuitive as, as what you think they, they are. So, yeah. um, you know, when I got drafted, I, I had a really low-fat diet, Yeah, super low-fat. I wouldn't eat salmon or avocado or anything right. that wasn't 97% fat-free. And high in carbohydrates. Yeah, including yeah. sugar. Yeah. So I'd eat as much, I mean, I, I don't really have a sweet tooth, but I'd eat as much sugar or lollies, and that wasn't, Frowned upon it all by mm. the dietitians yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, so knowledge has improved and changed since, and as it'll keep, you know, continuing to do so going forward. Before I get back to to some of these
0: questions I did about early on, what what's your nutrition like now, like or even towards the end of your career? Did that ultimately change a lot, or did you stick with the higher carb? No, diet I stuck high-carb.
1: with the high. I I reduced the amount of sugar I ate, mm. and I yeah, I would eat salmon. Towards the end of my career, an avocado yeah. certainly, but still, it was still a very high carb diet. I've always found found the same. I function a lot better on
0: higher carbohydrates and the lower end or moderate end of, of fats anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it does work differently for different people mm. too. Perhaps based on what their you know family background is and yeah. what foods they you know their ancestors were accustomed to eating. I don't know what it is, but it's certainly, yeah. in my experience in AFL, the same diet. On different people didn't have the same outcomes. Yeah. Um, but I was convinced if I was when I was playing, I eat a huge amount of carbs every meal: breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. And if I didn't have carbs for one of those meals, I'd be starving. Yeah. And I was convinced it's, when people it's funny, would say it? that, oh, you get through that. I thought that's just ridiculous. Mm. And as a professional athlete, I was never prepared to, to take the plunge and risk take the risk, that. yeah. But I have now, and you know, after a few weeks. I got through that feeling starving all the time. Mm. Uh, so I'm interested should see what it would have been like to do it as an do athlete. But okay, yeah. We'll never know now. But certainly now, I don't eat nearly as much, particularly bread and pasta, mm. um, as I did when I was playing footy. Yeah, you don't need as many. Cars. I just wanna, don't want to be a fat mess. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a couple
0: of things out of that. Um, I think, firstly, you mentioned how the one diet doesn't work for every AFL parent. So I talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's exactly the same, just for just for the general population as well. Yeah. Um, There's no kind of one size fits all. And I reckon. It's only training as players too. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And that's one thing I reckon. Even now, I think it's obviously definitely improved a lot now. But even still, I think. could be done a lot better from what I've seen anyway in strength and conditioning programs in AFL clubs, It's which is hard when you've got a lot of people all in there. But, um, you know, even just talk, just with talking to some of the athletes over the off-season in terms of what they're doing during the year compared to what probably they should be working on from what I've seen throughout the off-season, I reckon it could be done a bit better as well. I think it's improving, mm. but it will keep getting better and better, certainly. Do you Is there a, a, a pre-season training session that, that sticks out to you, one that was just absolute hell, that that kind of stuck on your mind?
1: Not really. Like, there was just, you know, new sessions where you are sort of spewing up afterwards. Um,
0: did, you like the, did you like the pre-season? Were you someone that kind of thrived yeah, on that I really hard work? Pre-season.
1: Yeah, no, well, I liked it when I could do it. So the last bit of my career, um, my body just wouldn't tolerate that much training. So mm-hmm. it was sort of always a battle trying to do as much as possible without breaking down. And yeah. once, I didn't find that very enjoyable, but certainly the early part of my career, so the early 20s, I could just throw as much work at my body and it would just just, go. just tolerate it and recover. And I loved that, Love feeling really fit. Um, had no aversion to, to hard work. And grew up doing athletics, which is a really good base. Good base you know, you athletics. get used to that discomfort yeah. of feeling like you're gonna drown through lack of oxygen when you're running. Um, Love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I really enjoy that that feeling of, of um it's nice to feel as you're at your capacity for how fit you can, can be yeah. or close to it anyway. Pushing the
0: boundaries, yeah. How early on did you start resistance and strength training? Were you doing that before you got
1: drafted? Yeah, when I was about sixteen, yeah. I reckon, through Sandy Dragons there started some some weights. I don't reckon proper leg weights though until I got drafted. It's interesting, isn't it? Over the
0: over the span of your career was there you know, certain exercises or um,
1: certain ways of strength training that you found worked best for you and that you kind of really enjoyed? Uh, well, Pilates is incredibly important. Okay. I wish I'd have done that as an 18-year-old rather than wait till things broke and then get into it. Yeah, Because um, that's good for both injury prevention but also good for optimising performance. So that would have been good to get into earlier. Uh, leg weight's really important. Uh, particularly, you know, squats are, are a reasonable exercise particularly quick movements like clean pulls yeah um you know in AFL, particularly as a midfielder you're balancing not wanting to put on weight with still being strong Strong. and and powerful Uh, so sort of faster movements yeah you know with my shoulder i couldn't sort of do a proper clean but things like clean pulls yeah for that explosive sort of 10 meter speed without putting a lot of weight um i think they were really important early doors do you still do uh do much now with the strength training side
0: of things, outside of.
1: I do a little bit. So I've got a lot of arthritis in my shoulders. Yep. So if I don't do, um, you know, some body weights, so all that arthritis feels a lot more painful than it needs to. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've had like, plenty of other injuries too. So I had a knee reco. So to keep some bulk on, on my quads and VMOs yep. is useful for that. And then I do some single leg calf stuff. Just really tailored around old injuries. Yeah, and the calf stuff's due to sort of some Achilles, tendinopathy. Yeah. Um, so I sort of do weights so I can function and then do things like run or, or play some tennis Yeah, okay. without the, the strength training. Those other things I probably enjoy, enjoy doing more are, yeah. are harder to do. Yeah, cool. And a couple more
0: questions before I move on to a bit more of I guess the lifestyle, business side of stuff. Um, over your years in the AFL, who was, let's say, some of the, the, the top guys that were just talking trash on the field and gave good lip service. Like
1: he was a big a big talker. Um, I reckon most of that stuff happens at either ends of the ground. Like yeah, when you're yeah. in the midfield, yeah. everyone's just running that hard it's to rigid, just try yeah. and get to contest yeah. to contest. <laughs> I don't reckon that there's a lot of people putting a lot of thought into yeah. it. what what can I Try it it's gonna be a, a good little zinger. Did you um, do much of it yourself? No, nah, no, nah. because nah, I was well truly in that boat of just trying to work out how I could get some more oxygen in my lungs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I certainly, Stevie Johnson from Geelong was renowned as being a trash talker, and Fev, I know, was, was pretty good in that area. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, around the midfield, it, it, you know, mostly did a bit of it, but mostly seemed to happen at either ends of the ground.
0: Yeah, and then lastly, who's, who's the best player that you've played with? And a best or I guess hardest that you've had to play against.
1: The best I played with would probably be uh, Ben Cousins. Yeah. who was just um, just a star, could push himself incredibly hard, played well in big games, um, and he was obviously you know my captain when I got drafted to West Coast. So mm. probably him, who I played with, and best I played against, I reckon Adam Goods, who was yeah, just okay. really hard to match up on. Usually when I played on someone. Uh, if they were the same size as me, I was usually quicker than them. Yep. Or if they were quicker than me, I was usually bigger than them. But I, I'd stand next to Goodsy and he was taller than me and bigger yeah. than me and stronger than me and quicker than me and the, um, yep. the math sort of didn't stack up from yeah. the start. So I, I could probably, probably him for the best I played against. Right. Um, over, over your
0: years as an athlete and even now, um, have, do you do much around kind of manifestation or positive self-talk or goal setting and stuff like that? Are you big on that at all?
1: No, not really. Like, well, I think both are important. So I think I think, you, I think negative talk is really important and yeah. I think positive talk is really important. And yeah. you need to be able to balance the two. Um, you know, I think you need to be really aware of what's going to happen if, if things go wrong, mm. what are the consequences if you don't execute something that's important yeah. to you as well as you want. And then also, but that's a tiring way to live if you've just got those thoughts in your head yeah. and they're not balanced out by any thoughts of hope and, mm. and um, you know, positive dreaming, if you like. Yeah. That can be a tiring way to live. But if you just focus on, uh, you know, hope and, and dreams, you can sometimes become maybe a bit lazy or, or lax and, and not realise perhaps what's at stake. Yeah. So I think both are really important. In my football career... For instance, I found that if I was thinking positively leading into a game, I'd play really poorly. Okay. I um, Always lethar- get complacent. Yeah, I'd yep. be lethargic. Um, I wouldn't have the right level of anxiety and, and arousal, and I'd, I'd just feel a, a step behind okay. the yeah. play. Um, but I love the feeling over summer not near games, of daydreaming about winning a premiership and being the best player on ground in the premiership. And that's how things really came about for me. It was quite structured where Mm. over the summer months where there was no game, I'd actively initiate really positive thoughts of things I wanted to achieve. And that had given me a huge amount of energy to to train harder and and push harder. But then once the season started, particularly the back end of the week, just before games... If I had a positive thought, I'd sort of consciously knock that out of my head. Right. And I'd cultivate negative thoughts of, of us losing the game. or yeah. me playing really badly or me pulling out of a contest or all the things, um, you know, internally you were scared of happening. Yeah. Um, and that would get me excited enough and, and aroused enough to, to play how I wanted to play. Yeah, that's interesting. And One more quickly um, about the footy. When
0: you were going, like, on this topic going into a game, would you have, you know, specific goals for that game, whether it be, you know, try and get X amount of tackles today and take your mind off the fact that you're just trying to get the ball and get as many touches as you can, or was your was your mindset more around just the, the team structure, or what was it?
1: No, it would be around a couple of things I wanted to happen in the game, but it wouldn't have been, like, this number of kicks or handles. Yeah. It would be, like, you know, it might be to pick the ball up at top speed. Okay. Being on the move, yeah. it might be you know, change the direction a certain way. Or be
0: More habits than...
1: Two or than three starts. things, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess were, you know, the processes, if you like, that would lead to the, the outcome that yeah, the others yeah. wanted. And... How early on before
0: you finished up football were you, um, I guess, working on getting into the business world and, and were you interested in that side of things?
1: Yeah, I was interested in it from a young age because I got drafted to Perth and I didn't like reading about football or, or about... Okay. myself in the newspaper yeah. there's heaps of west coast coverage in the yeah. first newspapers as you as you'd imagine so to overcome that i started reading the fin review yep and just started reading that every day from the age of 18 and that spurned a bit of an interest and, yeah uh i started i started our first business with um a mate when i was about 24 i think okay Which was a small events business um And then I've been, you know, doing different things, doing things ever since. But started investing my own money, you know, when I was about 20, which was a good thing to do because, um, it's a costly thing to do because you're, you're stupid when you start out investing. Yeah. Um, so you lose money, but you either from that, you either learn or decide to give it to someone else to manage. And through that process, learning how to, to invest and manage my own money has been really important for, for, um, for what I'm doing now. Yeah, and for those that don't know what like
0: specifically what are you doing at the moment and also a second part to that question, is that is those reasons that you just spoke about then some of the reason why you started your own podcast and kind of give content out around that that topic, I guess?
1: Yeah, so I, I the main thing I do now, I do a few different things. The main thing I do is invest in small cap listed stocks on yep. the ASX, the yep. Australian Stock Exchange. So the smallest um, companies that are public. Um, and I like small companies because they're too small for fund managers to invest in them often. Yeah. So, um, the person I'm buying or selling shares to is a mum or a and dad that's working a full-time job that doesn't have the time or ability to meet management or, or spend the same amount of work on it. So it feels like it's advantageous if, if you make that your, your sole priority. Uh, and then I'm doing some finance media to accompany that. So I've got a, a digital show that launched last night Chris Judd's talky book yep um, where I interview different fund managers and and um, and have them talk through their highest conviction investment idea so that's um and that can be found on, i'll have the links to all that in the show notes but that can be found where on youtube so that's on youtube under chris judd invest youtube page on facebook chris judd invest youtube page or at chrisjuddinvest.com
0: awesome a um, few more questions here, Juddy. What do you like? What similarities do you see between um, being a professional athlete and then that crossing over to, to doing well in business?
1: Um, I feel I find the psychology of investing is quite similar to the psychology of being a professional athlete. Yep. Um, so that idea that you've got to be willing to do something yourself that others aren't prepared to do is yeah. an important characteristics of good investors as it is for the good professional athletes. Also that psychology of not hanging on to losses okay, is really yeah. important. Yep. So investing is a game of mistakes. Like you make lots of mistakes as an investor. You sell a lot of things too early as, as they continue to go up yep. or you, you don't buy things that are really good or, or vice versa. Um, and you need to be able to move on and get on with it and, yeah. and treat the next investment as a whole new thing. Um, Whole new ball game, much like you do when you're playing footy. You know, yeah. football's a game of mistakes. People make skill mistakes all the time. They don't go as hard as they would yeah. have liked. Um, it happens constantly. The good players are just able to move on to the next contest time and time again. Whereas you see a young player often will make a mistake, and if they're not as confident in their own skin, they'll. You can see them replaying the mistake in their own head for the okay. rest of the game. Yeah. Um. So those similarities are the same. I think if you're running an operating business, um. You know The ability to work in a team is, is obviously mm. not unique to sport, that you yeah. to, it, uh, it's found in any objective where a group's involved, so yeah. um, managing group dynamics and also having everybody play to their strengths is something that's a really important characteristic of, of professional sport, but also something you see that's important in business as well. In business as
0: well, yeah. Um, as a, as a uh, footballer and even now, do you, do you meditate
1: at all? Is I'm trying to do it, to? it now. Yeah, I'm trying to do it now. I just find it so boring, as everyone does. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree that it's important. It's just, I think what I'm struggling with is when to do it. So, mm. I get that. What are you doing at the moment? Well, occasionally first thing in the morning. But I, my, my real issue is I prioritize exercise over meditation. Yeah. That's the issue. So, if I get up at six. Yeah. The first thing I want to do is exercise. exercise. Um. What is, do you have like a, a set morning routine that you, you like to follow? No, well a few mornings a week I'll be up at 6 yeah. and I'll exercise. Yeah. Maybe three mornings a week and then sometimes I'll try and exercise at, around lunchtime if I've got okay. time during the day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so the best time to do it would be to get up and do it first thing. Mm, that's what
0: i found. So I, um, I started meditating, like I, and before I did, I was like the last person that you'd expect to meditate. Yeah. I was exactly the same. I hated it. Couldn't sit there long enough to do it. But I started it on Jan 1st in 2017, and then haven't missed a day since. And I found- You're doing it once a day? Or once months? a day. How One long time. for? Not long. Some days, five minutes. Some days, 10 minutes. Usually yeah. for me, the max is 10, because I, I, even still now, I just can't yeah. sit there too long. Either that or I just fall asleep. Yeah. So I do it um I found first thing in the morning before I leave the house. Yeah. It's been the most beneficial to me because I don't really have that much trouble sleeping. So whenever I was doing it at night, I'd get a minute in and I'd be out. Yeah. So okay. I didn't really feel like I was getting the benefit of doing it in the first place. Yeah. Um but yeah, it is an interesting one. I think it's definitely been beneficial for me anyway.
1: Yeah, I think it's good and there's been periods where I've done it for six months at a time or twelve months and um I, I don't have any doubt it's 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 good. I just I just a lock I've been doing that Sam Harris's waking up app. Okay. Have you followed that? A I haven't. Bit? No. So that's been pretty good. I'm about fifteen episodes in, but I just I sort of do it two or three days, miss a day, um, but I'm I'm doing my best. Yeah, good. I'm doing my best. good. That's all you can do. Um,
0: lastly, do you, do you kind of uh, I guess follow people in the industry, whether it's the industry you're in or other successful people, and take bits and pieces from them? Like I, I'm pretty big on listening to podcasts and reading to an extent, same thing, I tend to fall asleep or just can't get through it enough. But, um, do you listen to many audio books or I guess, um, have people that you kind of use as a mentor?
1: Yeah. I listen to a huge amount of content, a lot of it, um, finance based, Yeah. um, there's a podcast or video content or a truckload. I mean, I spend most of my day reading newsletters, yeah. um, or macroeconomic financial reports, yeah. um, So, yeah, heaps. I think it's really important just to pick, to find a balance between picking important things from people who are experts in certain fields or or people who have an interesting point of view, but not getting stuck into sort of a hero complex whereby you just follow anything that one person says or a group of people say, because then you're you're just not developing yourself and creating your own thoughts. You're just piggybacking Mm. on, on others. And, um, you know, everyone's got their flaws. You, you you're yeah. better off making mistakes that you've made, not not that someone yeah. else has made, because you were too lazy to think about something for yourself. I found the same,
0: a similar thing lately, where because there is so much content to consume, people are just getting stuck in the habit of only consuming the content and doing nothing with it. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Like just instead of you still of apply it to your own life and so critique doing, it as yeah. well. Like in yeah. finance, you've got like Warren Buffett's an incredible investor and you yeah. know, he's smarter than everyone and. Um, one of the best investors of all time. But you've got all these people that just um, sort of repeat verbatim what he says and, and what he thinks. But then he changes his mind. Says yeah. the same. So, I mean, he had a, he had a period in the, in the 80s and 90s where he told his partner, Charlie Munger, that if he uh, ever speaks about investing in an airline again, that he should call an airline hotline telling him not to do it because that was such a horrible in- investment yeah. and he would never do it again. And now he's investing in airlines because the times have changed, changed. and he's had to think about it and he's, yeah. um, you know, his, his views evolved. So, mm. and that's what happens. People's views are always evolving. If you just sort of pick, um, one person and say, well, they're my thoughts now, you yeah. haven't really learned, you're no. just sort of, following along, piggybacking on someone else's experience. Yeah.
0: Well, mate, actually one more question. I've got absolutely stuff idea about investing. So yeah. for someone that has no idea and, and, say just wants to get started
1: in it, what's what's their best option? Uh, well, I think their best option is, um, depending on what they want to invest in, but like index funds are regarded as a safe, cost-effective way to invest in stocks. That's yep. where you buy a, a small amount of lots of different stocks packaged up as one financial okay. product. Right. right. Um, so look, I think that's the, the best way to get introduced to it and then, you work your way down the risk curve. So a, a fund manager with a long track record of outperforming would be the next below that. It's yep. higher risk, but higher return. And to actually buy individual stocks if you haven't done it before is something that um, you know people are obviously able to do, but if they're doing that for the first time, they should be treated as a, a learning expense because yeah. chances are they'll they'll lose money a lot. Or if they don't, yeah. they're probably lucky, rather lucky. than smart, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah luck's all right luck's fine It's great. But it doesn't last forever <laughs> yeah um chris thanks for
0: coming on the show mate really appreciate it and I, I reckon a lot of people will will love today's episode so thanks again awesome thanks dan Enjoy um i'll it. have all the, the links to your socials and any of the, the podcasts and the, the new show and stuff in the show notes below um guys if you enjoyed today's episode make sure you take a screenshot um on your phone and post it up on instagram story straight away tag myself tag chris Um, We'd love to get your feedback and thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and we'll chat to you again in next week's episode.